need to have on every pig farm some sort of a rainy day fund because if you've got a rainy day fund you can withstand the sort of battering that we got over the last three years and it's a tough one to do on a pig farm uh, and actually you need to be financially uh, secure in that curved ball comes in one way or another that you don't have to go shout and roaring to the bank every time something goes wrong that's all in the preparation Hello and welcome to the 50th episode of The Pig Edge, Chagas' pig podcast with me, Amy Quinn, where we are bringing you the latest news, information and advice to keep Irish pig farmers up to date. On this, our 50th episode, we reflect on the strengths of our industry and look to the opportunities that lie ahead. I'm delighted to have Heather Peppard, nutritionist with Brett Brothers, and Roy Galley, pig and tillage farmer and chair of the IFA National Pigs Committee, joining us to do just that. Heather, if I go to you first, can you give me a brief overview of your role and background in the sector? Yes, Amy. Um, I suppose I'm maybe different to some of your previous contributors. So my role is that I work in the animal feed industry, which, as you know, is intricately involved with um, the Irish pig industry as well. Um, so I work for a company called Brett Brothers Limited. It's a family owned business based in County Kilkenny, just outside Kilkenny, we're in Callan. And I am working predominantly with the mill and with the pig farmers who are our customers. And it's, I suppose, interesting in the, the business I work with, I've been here 17 years, is that we're very involved with the pig industry in other ways, um, which many people might not realise. So, the Brett Group um, has been in existence since the 1940s. And apart from feed milling and you know buying grain from local tillage farmers, we also have another few strings to our bow, which are quite closely linked to the pig industry. So some of your listeners will know that we have um, a pig farm of our own that the Brett family own. It's up in three castles in Freshford, just outside Kilkenny. And it's a fully integrated unit, 1,350 size, capably managed by a colleague of mine, Niall Brett, and previously managed by James Brett before that. So that has given me a great grounding, Amy, um, in the day-to-day practicalities um, on the pig farm. I'm not there as often as I would like to, obviously, with biosecurity issues and everything. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, I'm fully aware of what's going on um, up there with, with Niall and Barry and their team there. And then on the other side of the Brett group, uh, you can say is we're, we're nearly go from the seed and the grain out to the farmer right through to the kitchen table, because then we also have a food processing plant called Oak Park Foods. And uh, that's a brand name that many um, people will be aware of. You see it in supermarket shelves. Um, So we really have a tradition of, you know, we're family owned, um, but we're very integrated uh, throughout the whole sector. And Oak Park's main focus is, you know, adding value within the chain. And... um, there's actually a little video just produced this week for Aldi. So we work very closely with all the uh, Irish and the UK supermarket chains. And um, that, in effect, um, you know, links us in that we're bringing it back to the consumer of how close we are to the farmer the whole time. 
um, leading to what they what they whether it's a rasher that they put on for their for their breakfast in the morning. Um, so my own role, I suppose, is trying to improve feed conversion efficiencies, um, look at novel and new ideas and feed additives, um, being that link between the science and the actual farmer. Uh, so a lot of the products that we use within the Irish feed industry come, they're worldwide products that are used. The science principles have been tested elsewhere. Um, but as you know yourself, down in Moor Park, you have a fabulous facility, Amy. And we in the feed industry would be lost for the fact that you are able to look at a lot of the, you know, testing and new ideas. Um, and as you know, at the moment, we're looking at alternatives for protein um irish beans being one of them so that's kind of where i fit in my role is is kind of like you know formulating the diets trying to deliver the best value um optimize the, f the formulations um take the raw materials that are there and in any one year there are challenges as we know whether it be their native crop production or within europe or worldwide um assess all the risks and ultimately deliver a, a product to the Irish pig farmer that, that works at farm level as well, Amy. And you, Roy? Well, I suppose I've been involved with pig production all my life uh, because my father, who bought this farm here where we are uh, back in the 1950s, always had a sow. Uh, and I grew up uh, always with pigs around the farm, somewhat different than they are today because they ran around the field uh, originally. Um, uh, so I've seen it going from pigs in the field uh, to pigs indoors and have a fairly good um, knowledge of how to produce a pig and how a pig uh, reacts to the different environments that it uh, has to cope with. Um, so I've been, and then when I came home about in the, in the early 80s or late, late 70s, um, I decided that pig production was what I was going to go towards uh, started up from my father's 80 sows and I haven't gone uh, too, too massive uh, we've 200 sows here now um, I'm very happy staying at 200 sows uh, unfortunately my uh, my generational renewal isn't going to work so well so neither of my kids want to farm so um, but I have a, have a nice sustainable farm here where we grow our own food on the farm have a meal and mix um, and I'm very happy at 200 sows thank you very much so I've sort of been involved then with IFA uh, on and off uh, up to now and then I suppose one migrates to the various different positions and that's happened to land on my doorstep um, this or three years ago and uh, we've had three fairly uh, tough years uh, definitely the, the hair that's if you if the video is working there's the, the definitely a grayer tinge to, to my head than there was uh, three years ago that's for sure um, but yes I've been involved in pigs all my life and uh, I can impart whatever other little gems that I have in my head and Heather, what do you feel is currently the biggest strength in our industry? Mm, that's a very interesting question. Well, I'll just recount something. I was at the Chagas Pig Farmers Conference over in the Horse and Jockey recently, which you and your team capably organised. And it was a really refreshing day in the sense that I attend a lot of farmer meetings and farmer conferences. And I was really struck by the youth in the room. So I would say that the biggest strength we have are actually the people we have within our industry. As you know, Amy, it's extremely challenging at times. It's a roller coaster ride, <laughs> you know, financially, emotionally, uh, working within our sector, you know, definitely tests us in terms of resilience. 
And I would say that I work with a lot of dairy beef farmers. I, I attend tillage meetings and it's it's really good to see young people. But I suppose one of the challenges in that strength is how do we keep those young people within our industry? And um, so their determination to succeed the people around the room that have kept family businesses going through good and bad, um, then they have something to hand over to the next generation. I always say pig farmers are the best to adopt new technology. You know, they, they really place a focus on science. They, they, they have huge respect for, you know, new technology that comes to them. Um, and they're always so determined to make, make it successful for the betterment of their own farm and for the wider industry. So for me, it's the people we have, Amy, within our industry. Roy, what do you feel is currently the biggest strength of our industry? I suppose this, this, uh, there's a strength that I see, and I would have noticed it uh, when I took over chairman uh, of the IFA Pigs Committee. Uh, not that I, I wouldn't have seen it before that as well, because we have an awful lot of young farmers uh, in the pig industry. And it's interesting, both of us observed exactly the same thing. So it it's corroborates together, uh, and I think that's a great asset to have in our in our industry. When I do go around to pig meetings um, with IFA, uh, there's a, a definite preponderance of grey hair everywhere. And one of the nice things is with the Pigs Committee is that there's a good cohort, and right in fact across the pig industry itself, there's a co good cohort of young farmers uh, wanting to come home, wanting to get stuck into pigs, uh, wanting to produce on a commercial scale uh, food for everybody, uh, it's 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 a it's a okay it's it's a tricky business, but it's a business you have control over. Uh, lots of the uh, the bits and pieces in it, and it seems to be attractive. So at the moment, we're very lucky. We've got a good cohort of young farmers, uh, and I see that as a as a serious strength. It does, of course, pose its challenges, um, because the challenge then is to make sure that we keep those young farmers involved because this is what successional generational re renewal is all about. Uh, and for that to happen, uh, of course, it, we, we delve into money. Um, and I suppose my main thoughts are, and having been through the last three years of fair decimation of the pig industry um, for, for, for losses, money is critical to this uh, equation to make sure that we keep young farmers uh, on the farm, uh, we keep keep them interested, we keep them motivated, and we keep them challenged, uh, so that they are, uh, are going to be an asset to all of us. Um, and not only that, but be able to produce pig meat, so that everybody's uh, Christmas dinner has a nice ham sitting in front of them. Uh, let alone all the rashers the rest of the year, which happen every day of the week. In fact, uh, somebody was noting the other day that. Everybody requires a farmer three times a day, at least, um, to produce food to make sure it's on their plates. And so it's really important that we have the youth. So I see that as the, as the biggest strength we have, uh, but it does have a challenge coming with it. Roy, from your perspective, what's the biggest opportunity currently for our pig sector? Well, I suppose this leads on from uh, the first part with youth and with the challenges that we have. With every challenge, of course, uh, it's either an opportunity or a threat. And let's 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 be, be positive about this, and let's see the opportunities that are there uh, for all of us to uh, to 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 get in, to, in touch with. Uh, the the big opportunity I see coming and look and look at it now is one of transparency. And we're actually um, and there's nothing that I've 
So I come up against mostly during my tenure as chairman of the Pigs Committee, and it all revolves around the price of the pig and how much is coming in and how much the margins are that a pig farmer has to work on, or, or as, as the case may be for quite considerable amount of the time, that there was no margin. So uh, the Office of Fair Trade and Transparency uh, has just got its papers. Uh, and Neve Lenehan, who is the new um, uh, minister for this, or, or a person in charge of the, minister of, of the um, Office of Fair Trade and Transparency and Regulation of the Food Industry, and I'm holding uh, a, quite a lot of hope uh, in her office. Now, this may be more aspirational. I, I hope it is going to actually come to pass because once you have transparency in the industry, you know where the money goes to and what each of our costs are. I mean, pig farmers' figures are on the table at all stages. The, the, anybody will know exactly what it costs to produce a pig. There is nothing hidden about it and there's nothing uh, clandestine about it. I do believe that the rest of the industry, above once it leaves the farm gate, that transparency becomes somewhat muddied. And farmers, uh, and I think rightly so, uh, feel that uh, there could be greater opportunities made uh, of our pig meat, which we take considerable trouble to get to a stage where it's, uh, you know, come, come to the housewife with all the different rules and regulations that are involved with EPA, welfare, with, there's a, you know, a raft of, of legislation and let alone that, but the actual sheer management of the pigs every day, looking after them in the housing, making sure they're clean, they're watered, they're, they're warm. Uh, and, and this is done with impeccable uh, diligence by all of these young farmers. Uh, they're able to measure everything. So they're able to, once you can measure it, you can get, uh, you can get cash flows. You know, you've got a weekly cash flow coming in. Once you get measurements, you can make decisions, you can take actions. Uh, so this is the sort of stuff that creates the opportunities for farmers to do their, do the job better. And we would love if that then was recompensed by a greater level of, um, of, of money coming back from the marketplace to the farm. And I think this would be, um, safe to say that there's a lot of agriculture suffers from this same dilemma. Um, and it would be nice, you know, when we're talking to processors and when we're talking to secondary processors and we're talking to supermarkets and all the rest of it, um, th th there is a lot of sort of unknowns as to where the money that's generated by the consumer, where it all ends up. Um, and I, we do believe that, you know, if there's proper transparency, and I'm not going to say that, that there should be more coming back to the farmer, but we would like that to happen. Once you've got transparency and you know exactly what happens, where the money goes to, where it flows, uh, then we can have uh, a proper uh, fairness um, in, within the industry um, that, that we can get a price that we know we're getting the best price we possibly can, as opposed to whatever the market gives us. Yes, and this would make a big difference to a lot of producers out there, wouldn't it? It would make a huge difference, Amy, to producers to be able to know because it's the one bicker that we always get um, and if, if you know, we're, we're working on things like European averages, we're working on this and that and those, you know, um, and, and all I say, all our figures are on the table. 
So everybody knows, and whenever we do go to meetings, it's always, well, you could be cheapening your feed or you could be doing this and you could be doing that yeah, at farm level. And of course we can, because most of both the pig farmers are extremely um, uh, good at looking after their own costs. Uh, unfortunately, we have no control over what we're paid for our pigs, and we have little or no control over what we pay for our feed. They are the two major costs. You only have part of the picture, really. We do. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I think that when it goes, you know, I, I, and I don't know what it costs and all the, the small implications of what it costs to slaughter a pig uh, and what it costs to uh, to butcher it and then and bring it on to the housewife and run a supermarket and footfall over the, over the supermarket uh, threshold. Um, but when you do go and you see that, uh, like, a pig that goes to Northern Ireland, I just use this as an example, a uh, pig that goes to Northern Ireland uh, is is paid for with a greater level of money down here. So there's more money made by the factory in the north who then send the the, the pig meat back down to the south and it, it comes in and it's being sold cheaper than uh, than the, the meat that we are trying to do down here with the full Irish Borbia logo. And I wonder how on earth that can be that um, unless there's money, you know, subsidizing across the board somewhere uh, in this. But if, if again, if this was all known and it was transparent, we could see where we could have the opportunities for ourselves. We're talking about opportunities in the UK. And I, I've heard quite a few times uh, during our discussions with processors that the UK is just a dumping ground for pig meat. Now, when I hear that, I immediately think that we aren't marketing our pig meat properly because uh, marketing is far from dumping. Uh, marketing is making sure that we are putting the very best pig meat into the highest priced market in the world uh, so that we can then repay back to our farmers here uh, a higher cost because of the matching of the quality standards that are in the UK. And this is a huge opportunity for us to be able to match the, the quality standards. How we do it, we can do it I know, through Red Tractor and through the Borbia Quality Assurance Schemes. I'm quite sure that this is within our own grasp to do this, to tie up with some of the supermarkets. Beef has done it. Beef is marketed over there on an, on an Ireland and UK basis. Uh, and I'm quite sure that we could do the same with pig meat. Um, that we have the green image, we have the uh, sustainable image. We're here with a next door country to them. And I believe that we shouldn't be treating the UK as a dumping ground. We should be treating it as a marketing opportunity because a dumping ground is a threat, but, uh, but a high-quality product of pig meat going into the UK is definitely an opportunity. Heather, from your perspective, what is the biggest opportunity currently for the pig sector? I was at a, a recent pig farmers meeting there uh, and there were lots of opportunities and threats discussed and I would say that value added within our sector, and maybe this is just because I have a little bit of understanding from our own Oak Park business, but the UK traditionally was our closest and nearest neighbour. Um, but as you know, their pig numbers are declining. Um, their, their ability to produce their own pig meat for their own consumption domestically is falling every day. And I would say that they have the same culinary tastes as we do. And if we want to get away from selling, you know, just boxes of pork legs out to some other bigger markets, that we do have the opportunity to get closer to the consumer. 
And I mean, you know, in our Oak Park business, there's, you know, Irish produced rashers on supermarket shelves from London to Aberdeen. And it takes work, it takes investment. But I think our pig sector in Ireland, combined with, you know, the 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 secondary processors and board B and all on board, we certainly have an opportunity to add value to our own Irish product. Um, and that would hopefully end up adding value within the farm gate as well. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of options out there, isn't there really? And like there's, there's proof on the shelves in some of the supermarkets already. Yeah, well, that little video that I was alluding to, Amy, just that was produced for Aldi last week, like they have a specific, I think it's a Christmas um, tree kind of flavor to their um, some of their rashers for this, um, you know, the Christmas season. Um, so I think we maybe need to get away from just thinking of it as a commodity and, and get closer to what the consumer maybe is looking for and prepared to pay a bit more money for as well, Amy. And Heather, do you see any innovations or novel thinking coming down the line that are exciting for the pig industry, I suppose? Now, in the sector I'm in, the animal feed industry, I'm always excited when somebody gives me a phone call and says, we have a new feed additive. And as many of uh, people will be aware at the moment, we are just facing into 2024 with no zinc oxide in Ireland. And zinc oxide, we know it was going to you know be uh, kind of uh, going out of the system in terms of its you it was hugely applicable within the baby pig sector you know all our creeps and our links and many of our wiener diets were um, being uh, supplemented with zinc oxide and for reasons that we outside within the EU sphere zinc oxide is no longer um, licensed or permitted for use so for me, Amy, I know we've been talking a lot about no zinc, but I think this is the time in 2024 where we're really going to see it at farm level. So there's no one specific, you know, feed additive, but I am always excited by the fact that there's somebody working away at a very scientific level, um, being very innovative and looking at the challenges that we're going to face in the next three to four years, and they're developing feed additives in the background. And then it's up to people like me in my role to bring those um, with into the commercial practice. And what works for one farm may not work for another farm. And, and, that, and that's what the challenge for me is to find what's most suitable at farm level, um, you know, to overcome a certain issue, whether it be oedema or, you know, and it's in conjunction with veterinary input as well in many of these cases too, EMA. So there, there's no one big thing, but there are lots of, you know, opportunities there in the next number of months. And to you, Roy? It's a difficult one because I suppose down at farm level, I suppose innovations maybe happens outside the gate, but then let's, let's concentrate on the, on the inside the gate innovations that, that are going to come at us. Uh, and, and maybe some of these are aspirational, um, but we're going to have to deal with uh, the welfare legislation and we'll have to deal with the raft of EPA legislation that is now coming at, at us. And that's going to take a serious amount of innovation uh, if we're going to survive, because these all bring very large costs and costs that don't seem to be reflected uh, in the price of the pig, i.e. that that the, the consumer is not necessarily uh, able to um, stump up the added costs that it's going to cost us to produce our animals. 
um, with these because it's it's now they've now set or haven't set, but they're in the process of setting the stocking rate at three hundred and fifty livestock units um, to before you have an EPA license. Now that equates to somewhere around about ninety sows uh, plus their finishers right the way through to, to to from start to finish. Now that means that really every pig farmer in Ireland uh, will have to have an EPA license. And judging by what I've seen from from licensing procedures, it's not a cheap um, procedure to do, uh, and it's quite costly. And I wonder where that's you know this this again is more a threat in some of that towards the young farmers that are coming up. They look at this and says, "Oh goodness gracious me, what am I going to have to do for this?" If you like more more stuff, so we're going to have to do a lot of innovation. And of course, I'm, we're very lucky to have a super. Uh, Chagas team uh, with us and in the pig industry, of which we're all very grateful. Uh, and they, they are very good at trying to guide us through and trying to introduce us to what in- innovations are there. I have no magic innovation that I've seen um, that I've seen that are going to revolutionize the pig industry. It's a sort of uh, a dogged business. You just do what you can as best you can, um, as cheap as you can to stay in business. That's the way it seems to be. Roy, just to finish up, your time as IFA National Pigs Committee Chair is coming to a close shortly. Are there any parting messages you would like to pass on to our listeners? I've got three words written down here. The first one is patience. You have to have an inordinate amount of it when you're dealing with uh, a lot of people who don't really understand the day-to-day running of a pig farm. Uh, the, so, so we've now got an awful raft of people who are um, experts in small fields, uh, which is all very well. But when you bring it all together uh, down on a pig farm, it doesn't necessarily go uh, according to plan. So patience trying to bring these people around to the practical realities of it, I think, is is uh, something. So and, and, and this this is on pig farms as well. And, and we quite frequently lose our patience. Um, and it's, so it's, it's a skill. I think, you know, you've got to have a bit of patience. Um, Preparation is the next one I have down here. And preparation because uh, financial preparation, I'm really going to concentrate on this one. Uh, We need to have on every pig farm some sort of a rainy day fund um, because if you've got a rainy day fund, you can withstand the sort of battering that we got over the last three years. And it's a tough one to do on a pig farm. But, you know, we're, we're too easy to go off and spend money when you get it coming in. Uh, and actually, you need to be financially uh, secure in that you, if somebody, uh, you know, a curved ball comes in one way or another, that you don't have to go shout and roaring to the bank every time something goes wrong. Uh, so that's that's the second one. And that's, that's all in the preparation. Uh, and the first one is perseverance. And God preserve us. <laughs> perseverance is, is, a, is, is an, an absolute essential because there's an inordinate amount of it necessary to keep going on a day-to-day basis on every pig farm in Ireland because there's spanners thrown in the works every day of the week uh, of one sort or one. There could be little small ones, there could be big ones. Uh, and uh, so perseverance, so those ones, patience, preparation and perseverance are my three sort of key words that I'm going to throw out there as my thoughts having to finish up. And this applies to the the role of being pig chairman as well, uh, which I'll hand over and I'm, I'm not going to say now who it is to, but... Um, we're not where we haven't actually done it yet, um, but there will be a new chair of the Pigs Committee, 
in 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 due in due course. I have enjoyed my time as pig chairman, though it has definitely been quite a stressful period. I think both for pig farmers and for a representative as well, uh, steering the industry through one of the worst crises. I think that the industry has ever been part of. But out of every crisis, you do a bit of learning. Uh, and I think that the uh, consumer is beginning to get to realise, and certainly some of the supermarkets are beginning, and it's only just the first signs of it, that food security food security is of paramount importance. And to have food security, we have to have uh, youth involved in our industry, which we have. And for them to be there, they've got to be paid well enough for them to stay there and to flourish and to continue the industry uh, into the future. Roy, thank you very much. That's my pleasure, Amy. Um, and at this time of year, uh, may I wish all the people who are listening to this a very happy Christmas. And I, I dearly hope a prosperous uh, 2024. Um, and I think that is really important, uh, as we've said it's meant so many times at the moment. But happy Christmas and happy new year to everybody. Thanks to Heather and Roy for joining me for this special 50th episode and thanks to all our listeners from Ireland and beyond for joining us over the past four years. We will be back in 2024 with more insights and interviews and in the meantime I would like to wish you and your families a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'm Amy Quinn, thanks for listening. <laughs>